Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, and it is Wednesday night, so it's a welcome return to Retro Night. A little bit later due to uh, a previous engagement I had, uh, but uh, we're here all the same. It's big apologies to Stu and Mitch who are in a foreign country and I've kept them up well past their bedtime, but Mitch has got a cup of coffee and Stu, believe it or not, isn't drinking. What are you on, Stu? Show us your glass of Vars. Uh, orange and water. <laughs> Orange and lemon and water. <laughs> the, the brewery I'm shares will go down. The brewery shares will go down. Is that dry January or is it just today? Well, yeah, just today. Just today. Lads, if it's, uh, well, if it is dry January, don't forget our... Talks, our there you go. Our, uh, wonderful. Well, our new sponsor, of course, talking of dry January, is Old Coach House Distillery.co.uk, the world's first alcohol-free distillery. Uh, visit the website, enter the code OCHD to claim their in- introductory 10% discount and get the most out of their mindful dry January. It's uh, gin-esque, which is on there, and it's uh, a fine drop of gin without the obligatory hanging over. So uh, ideal for January, and a big shout-out to cutexshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle, and they make our T-shirts and mugs. The mugs are flying out after Christmas. Um, NewcastleLegends.com, of course, you can buy the T-shirt, which, of course, tonight is modelled by Stu. Stu's got his T-shirt on the night. There we go. Yeah. And UFC matters. And Mitch has got his on as well. Mitch has got in his on as well. Hand delivered. Hand delivered. Yes. Thank you very much, Miss Hasty Junior. Fantastic. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, and a big thanks to Adam, who I've just done the show with on his channel. Uh, Adam Pearson, subscribe to his channel. Um, it, it's a cracking little channel. He, he does it all on his uh, on his lonesome at the minute. So I was his first guest tonight. Um, that's uh, put that to bed. And uh, I wish him all the best for 2021. So the Retro Show, if you're new to the channel, uh, click subscribe. Um, and you'll see this every week. We do uh, a run back on Newcastle's games against teams. Uh, you can subscribe by hitting the subscribe button down on the right hand side click the like it's important for viewers and uh, also comment and share the video uh, tonight we're looking at Notts Forest Nottingham Forest George so uh, we always uh, come to you first for uh, for your story first give us give us your, your first introduction to Newcastle against Notts Forest well it, it's not strictly me first but it's it's one of the most dramatic because it's the 1974 cup match quarter final which, of course, in history doesn't exist anymore because it was declared null and void. Um, it was an all-ticket match, uh, March the 9th, 74. Uh, 52,000 tickets sold. Um, now, I, I got tickets because I had somebody still in St. James's Park that I remembered from when I was involved with them. Um, my father and my uncle wanted to go, and one or two others did. So they put the tickets on sale, and because... Uh, it was they didn't want to risk losing their jobs by staying off to go and queue for the tickets. My mother and my granny, uh, big Nan and Neil, went, went and stood in the in the queue and, and got two tickets each. So um, it was a big event, but it was a strange one because I remember that uh, there was an air about the, the city and about the, the the team that said this was this was going to be a cup year. It was a very very a strange feeling about the the city that year. This everybody seemed determined that this was where yeah, but the atmosphere inside the ground was was uh, was different. Yes, there was a lot of excitement, but there was there was a lot of angst as well. And I think one of the reasons is is that Newcastle, in their wisdom, for some reason, packed all the Forest fans to one side of the Gallagher, which I can't ever remember that happening before. The brew the brewery side of the Gallagher, I think Steve called it. And I think it, 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 that whole side uh, was Forest fans, and and I think that uh, set a precedent for for what was to happen later on. Um, as I say, fifty-two thousand in the ground. It, it was tight, and uh, uh, everybody wait, wait in anticipation. Well, it didn't have to wait long for the excitement because within it officially it says two minutes. My memory is it was it was more like thirty bloody seconds and. Ian Bowyer had the ball in the back of our net uh, and that set the crowd uh, going again. And uh, it wasn't long before um, David Craig, the, the right Irish right fullback of ours, uh, scored one of his uh, rare goals to, to equalise. And uh, just before half-time, O'Kane made it 2-1. Uh, 
and you could feel the tension in the ground when when that happened. And of course, just after Forrest got a penalty uh, and made a three-one, Lydell scored the penalty, and there were three-one. And you could see the movement behind the Leeser's goal, particularly, and and at the other end, at the Gallagher end as well. Now, a lot of people was say afterwards that it was because the kids at the front were getting squashed, so they put them onto the uh, onto the cinder track. But it wasn't long before there was quite a big crowd behind the Leeser's goal, um, and quite a lot of tension. Quite a lot of tension in the Gallagher as well, though people were being hauled out. And I think uh, you've got a picture, Steve, of a policeman taking people away uh, even before the the, the 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 run across the pitch. But as the as the game wore on, yeah, exactly that 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 was happening uh, at the Gallagher end as well, and uh, at the other end, at the Lasers end, they were all gathered around behind the goal, and uh, they just eventually, for whatever reason decided to run from one end of the pitch to the other. Now, some of the press reports said, oh, they were trying to get at the Forest forest supporters, and, and there's the police dogs trying to keep them back, of course. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that they were trying to get at the Forest uh, supporters at all. I've got a distinct feeling that somebody in the crowd had said, well, if you run on the pitch, you'll get the game stopped because it looked like we we're going to lose it and lose it badly. Um, so off they went. And of course, uh, the police dogs came on. There was there was a lot of kerfuffle at both ends. And uh, the game was stopped and the referee took the players off. And they were off for about 10 minutes. And it was quite clear when they came back on that Forrest had lost their mojo, that they definitely were down. There was... There was uh, Definitely a feeling that they had uh, um, they had lost their opportunity, I think. And of course, Newcastle took full advantage. Um, the uh, there was a, oh the penalty, of course, where where I missed is adjourned the penalty issue. Pat Howard argued with the referee and got himself sent off. So we ended up with uh, with ten men, and uh, it was. <coughs> It was just added to the whole atmosphere. Um, then the uh, it was mostly teenagers running down uh, at, across the pitch, and it was it was a it, it was a, a riot in, in in some senses. But uh, I, I didn't think it was uh, it was uh, it was stupidity more than more than nastiness. I think so. After the ten minutes. We got a penalty and Terry McDermott slotted that in and made it 3-2. And then 3-3 was a John Tudor diving header, one of his specials. You know, he's, his nose about six inches off the turf when he headed it in. And uh, it uh, it was uh, all up for a, um, a really tense finish. And, of course, who entered the fray but Supermac. Supermac... Uh, started to play out of his skin and he laid on the the 4-3 goal for for Bob Monker and uh that's how it stood because Forrest um naturally it protested as, as loud and as hard as they could and of course the the FA declared the game null and void uh and 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 that's how it's uh, it, it stays so the FA ordered replay at Goodison if, uh the middle of the next week and lo and behold, we drew nil-nil. And then three days later, God knows what uh, Klopp would think of this, three days later, we're back at Goodison again, playing Forrest in a secondary play. And uh, thanks to Supermac, we got a 1-0 one, one win. Um, it was a shambles, but I wonder how much of the team left in that game, in those games, and a very hard... Um, semi-final with with Burnley. I mean, the Burnley semi-final was a tough game. We won, we won, but I think it was because of some superlative bits of football from Hibbert and Supermac uh, to get the goals. Uh, but I still wonder how much they left uh, on, the, on the field at Goodison and St. James's Park in that quarter-final. The other thing is, typical Newcastle, we got to the final and everybody's happy, at least we think they are, and the team 
as a tradition is, we go to the uh, um, the PFA annual meeting and dinner two nights before the cup final. <coughs> and also, most teams when they get to the final buy suits for that for their team so they can all be dressed as as a, as a team and look like a team uh, just before the cup final. Well, Newcastle wouldn't. Newcastle wouldn't buy the suits. And the suits had to be donated by, uh, uh, what do they call it, Taylor, Jack Paul or something. And uh, he, uh, that's it. John John Peter that was, was the uh, tailor. Um, he was uh, trying to promote his velvet suits. And he bought the lads. Actually, I think this picture belongs to Mac, Super Mac. I think he he got he. This is his picture, and uh, um, this John uh, Peter treated them all the the, the velvet suits uh, and the shirts and the ties all look the same. But can you imagine? You know, a cup final and and the directors and the managers risk upsetting the whole bloody team for the sake of of couple of in those days it would only be a couple of brands with the suits you know it just seems so ridiculous but isn't that us isn't that Newcastle United that's just the sort of thing we do sadly uh we, we don't seem to be able to go from A to B in a straight line there's always got to be a kink somewhere and to me that was that was a major one to do that to the team after they'd got all the way to the final wasn't the best preparation in my view for the for what was to come um but that 74 uh, final, um, because we got well and truly uh, thrashed from by Keegan and the, and the rest of the Liverpool team. Um, but the, it all, I I still think it all was left on St James's Park in that 4-3 uh, debacle that was interrupted by the fans charging from one end to the other. Um, I still haven't uh, been able to find out why they decided to, Put the fans the way they did. I don't know if you, Steve, or anybody else knows, I but I don't think I don't think we've ever had that since or before. Um, but uh, anyway, that 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 was uh, that's the one that will stick with me, obviously forever, and, and lots of other people as well. Interestingly, on the pictures, I know you think you know some of the people in the pictures, Steve. Well, I certainly <laughs> recognise quite a few as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I, and i and and uh you know um confidence forbids me to say where from <laughs> um 30 years as a magistrate it's amazing how many the memory again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a title of, um, that's a title of your book george uh, anyway um that's that's my first memory anyway so Great yeah. stuff. Great stuff as always. A big oh, one. Yeah. People, people will always enjoy your stories, and uh, that's that's the beauty of this show. Steve, here, Steve. Um, over to you, mate, for you uh, and your story. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow on with the same the same game, obviously, uh, because that was the defining moment in terms of of Newcastle United as a youngster. Um, I, I think there was two things that you missed off, George. One, the the whole aspect of the cup. Um, that year, and the anticipation was because Sunderland had won it the year before. Yes. So there was that, there yes. was that feeling that it was yeah. our turn, and of course yeah. we 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 got a couple of decent uh, decent rounds in the in the third and fourth, and then we played out less skin in the fifth against West Brom, where probably Jimmy Smith had probably the, the best game he, he ever had in a black and white shirt that particular day. He 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 was. He was so informed and, and so we went into that game full of anticipation. And you're right, they did stick the fans in that corner. Um, that was the area where where me and my pals always used to go. Um, so we were we were pushed to the centre paddock. Um, but there was there was something at school. There was an excitement. You know, there was a build up. There was the, yeah. you know, it was the sixth round. You were one place away from a semi-final, um, which you always knew was going to be at Hillsborough. It was Newcastle United, and that meant you had one game to the, to the final. Um, so it was there was a build-up, there was an atmosphere. I know Gibbo had written an awful lot of stuff about uh, about the cup. Super Mac had scored in every round uh, so far, so there was that that little bit, and it just felt as though it was our year. Um, 
the, 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 I know there was one particular guy who ran onto the pitch at that particular point, and that caused the, you know, he, he got arrested. That kind of encouraged people. And then everybody basically just ran past him. We, we, most of us know who he was, who he was related to, and I'm sure Steve knows. Um, but he, he was he was quickly uh, arrested and carted off by the police. But there had been like a bit of a fisticuffs with him and, and, and two or three police um, at that particular point. And he, there was a famous photograph of him going off with a bloody nose and, and being carted off. But there was just this, this mad surge. But there had been a lot of a lot of goings on in the in the uh, in the Gallagher. Uh, yeah. As the game yeah. progressed, there was a lot of to and fro, and there was sort of things getting stone thrown over, and the the fact that they were three one up, and I think it was just a it was just a, a, a massive build up, as you see after the penalty. Um, but the comeback, once that comeback started, and that and we started a roll. I mean, one of their players had actually been assaulted; he had been punched by someone who ran across the pitch, and so they didn't want to actually come out for the for the the. Uh, the, the 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 remainder of the games, so the, they were down. There was no question; they were they were on the floor. Um, but as you say, a typical Newcastle. Um, and then to, to to go about it the way we did, uh, the comeback, um, the whole the whole atmosphere, it was electric. I've got to say, yeah, it, it takes away that that the incident on the pitch. The whole atmosphere of that day it was cold. You were wearing an overcoat. I, I, we were excited. I was with a lad called Angus Walker, who was a good friend of mine. He lived around the corner. Had, you know, we were we were really, really sort of convinced that this was going to get us to where we had to be. We had to queue up the, on the on the weekend before for the tickets. It was freezing cold. Um, I think there was bonfires in the, in Leeser's Park. There was yeah. there was there was park benches brought in to build bonfires on Barrett Road to keep people warm. That type of thing. I, I know our queue for our tickets was literally down past the Strawberry and right along where the shops were, um, and heading to where Eldon Square, coming back up Barton and Stonehouse. That's how long the queues were for tickets in those days. And you are you were there from some ridiculous time in the in the early hours, you know and I think we, I think we went up and with sleeping bags, and I think we were up there ten o'clock. And how, and at the time it was fine because my mother was all right for us to go. But once there was the trouble at the ground, once there'd been that bother, that was it. Um, and my dad was the one, God rest his soul, who uh, who benefited from that because he took me, he took me little me little vouchers from the program that you used to stick onto the little yeah. pad. Get your vouchers. He he took them. He managed to get the semi final, and he managed to get to the final. And the only thing that he ever did that redeemed himself on that particular one was that when we got to the seventy six final, he came with us. He managed to uh, he managed to get yeah. two for seventy six, and he queued up, and uh, and we went together. But uh, as a fourteen year old, you know, my mother was convinced that that was it. She she well, the trouble convinced her that I shouldn't be going to the match for the for the. Especially in a way, they get the semi-final. Um, the, the, other thing that, the other thing that comes back to me, Steve, is that I've got a feeling that, that a couple of Forest players that had a lot to say in the papers about what they were going to do. You know, they, um, it was it Warren, I think, was saying, you know, they think they won, because they've won it a few times, they think they own the cup and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And we're going to show them, you know. And there was that kind of uh, wind-up in the, in the press as well. Which yeah. all contributed to the awful atmosphere. Yeah, I think what was what was surprising, however, George, was that Manchester, uh, Nottingham, and Newcastle or the Northeast, there was there was always a tight connection at that particular time uh, because of the mining industry. There was a yeah. lot of lads whose yeah. pits had closed in Durham and Northumberland. Families had moved down there, so there was quite a jolly connection at that particular time, and everybody got on well. And there wasn't the rivalry between the football clubs. Um, as such, uh, the the rivalry was a friendly rivalry in working men's clubs in the Nottingham area and the Newcastle area. That all changed later on. Uh, it changed after '84, ten years later, with the miners' strike yeah. and all of animosity that built up after that. Um, and I'm sure I'll, and when we, when we mentioned the, the the other games and we mentioned away trips to Nottingham, we always know what the chant was that that, that echoed from the away fans whenever the Nottingham fans started up. Yeah, good stuff, Steve. Uh, thanks for that. Mitch, over to you, mate, for your first uh, recollection about games between Newcastle and Nottingham Forest. Well, I had I had three games. I was, you know, going to think of which ones will I talk about, and I'll pick up 
where on a point that Steve made just there, which just decided which one I'm going to talk about first. Um, when I went to university, I went to university with a lad from Nottingham who was a big Forest fan, um, and he became a very good mate. And uh, when we played them in the championship under Hutton uh, in, I think it was 2009, around about October, it was early on in the season. Um, I went down with a few lads from home and met up with him while he was down there. Um, one thing that he came across, and Steve was saying about the connection to the regions, is it's all about the pits. Um, and, and Matt took me into a bar, which was a black and white bar in Nottingham. And I was speaking to some of the, the lads there who were black and white through and through, and they reckoned that uh, the biggest branches of the Newcastle and Sunderland supporters clubs outside of the region were both in Nottingham. Um, and I don't know whether that still is the case um, or whether it ever was the case, but that's what this lad reckoned. And that's the kind of connections to the to the region, and it's all about the pits. Um, I mean, the game itself wasn't spectacular. We lost 1-0. Um, conceded on the, the stroke of half-time and never really got back in it. Um, if I remember right in that season, we had a little bit of a blip in October, and that was sort of right in the middle of that, that blip. Um but uh, and it wasn't a particularly special game. But the, 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 that evening, um, you'll remember us talking about the social hand grenade of a friend that we have who had an incident with a horse in Blackburn. Um, well, the, the, he, he was also prone to going AWOL on occasion. So after the game, Matt took me and a few of the lads to a bar in Nottingham, which is a converted church, and it was a was a vodka bar. It was the first time I'd ever seen a dedicated vodka bar. And they'd been making their own vodkas. You know, you could have everything from uh, licorice all sorts flavor vodka, a bloody cola cube, cola bottle flavor vodka, where they'd been just storing stuff in the bottles. Um, let's just say quite a few vodkas were sampled. Um, and then we went for a curry. And then as we're leaving the curry house, we suddenly realized somebody was AWOL again. Um, and no amount of calls on a phone or at the time SMSs would find him so we all went back to the digs as it wasn't that unusual an occurrence we knew sort of his autopilot would find him appear at some stage and about four in the morning we were woken up by somebody clattering through the door I'm like all right he's back um so we went out to the living room area and the the the, the, being, the digs we were staying in and he was collapsed flat out on the settee already asleep, fully clothed. Um, and around the settee into the front door, like Hansel and Gretel, was a trail of 20-pound notes. I'm like, what the hell has he been up to? We thought he'd maybe emptied his bloody bank account out in the ATM, because he'd done that before, um, or whatever. Turns out, long story short, when we got up in the morning, we're grilling him, and he couldn't remember where he'd been. Um, but then wrapped in a, around a few bundles of £20 notes in his pocket was a receipt from a casino. And he'd somehow found his way to the casino and had a big win on the roulette. And he has no recollection of it. To this day, he has no recollection of it when we ask about it. Um, and and that, that that's the reason I remember that game, was a, a tour in Nottingham with a mate of mine who introduced us to the, the Nottingham branch of the supporters club. And my mate dropping a load in the casino and he'd not even remember it. <laughs> I always love your stories. Um, that, that one, that one, uh, that one hasn't uh, rained on your parade, has it, Stu? Because uh, you, 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 you've usually got some classics as well. Give us your first story. Well, the first game Paul Loxley just mentioned on the comments there was the two 0 when Meridian and Gaza scored, but that's not the game I want to talk about. But before that, I want to just mention. I was speaking to my brother this afternoon and he says, oh, you've got a fan. Someone watches all Steve's shows. And she didn't know that we were brothers. And I said, why, did you guys show a photo of, you, of me in your wallet or something? Like he says, I showed her a photo. I thought it was in his wallet. And he went, no, don't be daft. It was on my phone. Then I realised that like, his tape is taken me, so it would never be in his wallet, would it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the lassie, uh, her name is Rachel. Uh, from Anfield Plain and she bought two bottles of sherry yesterday to watch Liam and then to watch this one. So enjoy your sherry when I'm drinking my orange and lemon. Well done. <laughs> enjoy so, it, Rachel. Right, right, the first game 
uh, one of the mentioners it was in I'll call it the middle season uh, from the promotion season then there was the middle season then there was the the nearly winning the league season uh, so it was just to set the scene a bit it was February well actually February 11th which would be Dad's birthday uh, just a couple of weeks before that Keegan had been on the steps to explain Andy Cole's sale and you know, the neighbours were getting a bit restless, but Keegan was magnanimous enough to do that. And he was he did it anyway. But then we, we what I remember most about the game was the there was a player for that was made famous for not for his football, but for his hairstyle, Jason Lee. And <laughs> oh, yeah. he was made famous on fantasy football with Badil and Skinner, you know, that was on the Friday nights. He's got a pineapple on his head. On his yeah, head. Your voice yes. is better than me as the Christmas song went, so you can, <laughs> you can sing it. But yeah, he had a pineapple on his head. But we went tuning up. And another remarkable thing about that game is Rule Fox scored the first goal with a header. He out jumped someone in defence and scored a, a header. Um, the second goal was scored by Rob Lee. He danced past someone on the edge of the box and drilled it in the bottom corner. And he scored a few goals against them, not as many as Ian Warren scored against us, but probably scored a few goals against them. Then, about 15 minutes to go, this pineapple comes off the bench, and his first touch of the ball put it in the back of our net, which set up for a like, really uncomfortable 15 minutes because we'd, that's him. <laughs> and so we'd, we'd been battering the most of the game and had a fair share of possession, lots of chances, and... We seem to be hanging on, and then in the last minute, or just near enough the end anyway, my recollection was the last minute, Stan Collymore got put through, and he was never popular, he's even less popular now, and he got put through, and I thought, that's it, we're going to blow this now. And Pav come running out with his goal, and then seemed to like, jockey him sideways as if he's letting, letting go past, and all of a sudden he's just stretched these two massive paws out and took the ball cleanly from his foot. Uh, and then held up, held up the ball. And the roar from that was probably as loud as any one of the goals that had been scored in the game. So the fact that the pineapple scored that, yeah, that was my first uh, one I wanted to talk about. And I, I think Mr. Wilkinson needs to speak because he's been waiting for ages. <laughs> no worries. Steve, good evening, mate. Yeah, well, I'm going last today. I'm glad you didn't come up with my game because I thought there's a chance. I stayed away from the, uh, the the game that George talked about. I was at all three games. I went to, I was a student at the time and uh, my, my lectures finished in the morning. So I was uh, on the supporters club bus about one o'clock down to, uh, to Goodison twice a week. And uh, they, they were adventurous journeys as much as... Uh, is the game we got pelted with stones in Liverpool after the match and things when you after after supermarket scored the winner. Um, I was going to come more more recent times, or still twenty years to uh, nineteen ninety seven uh, when we won five nil the last game of the season, which got us qualification in the Champions League with Dalglish as manager that time. Um, we'd obviously had the the year before when uh, Keegan's team just slipped up on the on the at the end. And uh, Keegan had obviously jacked in, and in the January of the following year, not long after we'd beaten Tottenham seven one, he wasn't happy keep winning seven one and stuff like that. Um, and uh, Dalglish came in, as you, as you know, and uh, the significance of that game, apart from the fact that we won five nil, we we, uh, we ended up finishing second and getting the Champions League qualifying place. Although we did have to play in the qualifiers those days, it didn't put you straight in like it does now. Um, we're winning four 0 at half time, and it was just as well we were because we'd actually uh, were level with Arsenal on points, points before, that, before game. that game, and uh, that that would uh, uh, and on goal difference, in fact, they, they uh, also leveled. So uh, Arsenal were playing away, and they they won, so we had to win by at least three, as it turned out. So uh, obviously, went and, and winning four 0 at half time, and. Uh, you know, typical goals. Les Ferdinand scored a couple. Tino, I think, scored. Um, and Robbie Elliott got the final one. Um, yeah. Significance of that game as well. I, I almost arguably the the end of the Keegan era. I mean, obviously Keegan had already gone, but it was it was the time when Dagley started dismantling the team, and it's probably the point of of downward slope from there because it it was the end for for Ferdinand uh, with all the the ho ha that was at the beginning of the next season when Shearer got injured. And, and we started the season with uh, John Dahl Thomason up front, who, although I think he should have scored in the first minute of the game, if I remember rightly, Tino put him through and uh, and, he, and he missed that one. It was about Christmas before he scored. Um, it was the end of David Ginola. It was the end of Beardsley. And, and uh, Dalglish was starting to bring in 
his own team, uh, and we had, you know, you might remember we ended up replacing uh, an injured Shearer and Les Ferdinand with John Barnes and uh, Ian Rush. So it wasn't a great start. And I think it was, you could almost say that was the peak that the Keegan team still got with that, that game against Forest. Forest were actually got bottom of the league there and went down. Uh, and, and we haven't played them that often as it happens because we've part mm-hmm. on the uh, we've been in separate divisions for a lot. So when when we're doing the research, and unlike all the other clubs we've done, uh, there wasn't so many games to go at. We've, their good time, if you go back to the Brian Clough time of Forest, uh, late seventies was our really bad time with Bill McGarry and the likes of that. But uh, that game, I remember, as, as often happened on the last day of the season, uh, shirt sleeve crowd, beautiful sun, winning four 0 half time. Go on and get a fifth one, and uh, but it was it was farewell to a lot of a lot of players. Uh, Lee Clark as well. He that was his last game before he went to Sunderland. So uh, it was uh, it was memorable from that point of view that we're saying farewell to the players who were were, were believed were you know were ready to go on from what Keegan started to, to to win the league eventually. As it happened, you know what happened next. Yeah, fantastic memories. Great game, that great day. I remember it clear as day. And uh, as you say, if, if we'd known that was going to be the end of the Keegan era, yeah, I would have enjoyed it more. But yeah, it was a fantastic game, fantastic day. Good, good memories. Uh, Steve, we'll come back to you now, mate. Uh, Steve Hasty. Yeah. The, the next memory is a disastrous memory. Uh, Ian Warren, got to, got to mention it. You know, the, the very fact that, you know, we were. We needed those three points to keep me in the run, and he just when he picked the ball up, I just remember going, tackle him, tackle him, tackle him, and it just went on and on, and then he unleashed this shot, and even then, because of the distance he was away, it didn't even hit the top court, but the 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 goalkeeper was so far off the line; it was only about that high off. And he died, and he just couldn't get near it. The power, you know, that just that he got into it, um, and 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 I just remember at the time thinking, Chuck, I should have saved it. He should have been a little bit further back, and he should have, and he should have saved it. But that 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 set that set the scene. Then that that basically killed off for our chances, you know. And it was just so so disappointing because the 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 points, you know, go, getting one all, um, just. Something about it, uh, just like uh, the emptiness in your gut uh, that you felt. Even though I went to the to, to the following game, you know, went to the went to the last game of the season, even uh, thinking that we were still in with a chance, uh, even though it was fairly remote. Um, but it was still that hope rather than expectation. Um, mm. But you knew in your heart of hearts that that, that Warren's goal had really, really. So, not so much the knife in the back, but the dagger in the heart. You know what I mean. Um, yeah. Never forget it. Uh, and, and if I met the guy tomorrow, <laughs> I would probably just hate him just as much. <laughs> Never met the bloke in my life, but you know, the, the, everything about it just is so so disappointing. So that that's me. That's my second memory um, of, of that particular one. Um, and I think the less said about it, the better, to be perfectly honest. That was the game after the I would love it rant, isn't yeah. it? Um, aye. Yeah. Aye. And, and you have to wonder yeah. how much that affected the team during that yeah. game because they looked jittery all yeah. the way through. Even when Beardsley scored, it, it, it will look jittery. And Ian Warren, you know, isn't Ian Warren one of those players who always seems to score against us? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that, Mitch, that the end of that season from the joy that we had. It was like watching like, your favourite championship boxer just take a knockout punch after knockout punch and he, just, he wouldn't go down. And then on the last day, he just fell out, you know, and that, that was it. it was I think what, was really, what was also annoying about it was... Love those days back, though. Well, it was, it was against a Nottingham <laughs> team. You know, we weren't playing a, a, a really adventurous Nottingham Forest at that particular time. It was Forest in... Yeah. Not even transition, it was Forest on the way down, you know, and it was just... It was just it, it. It just felt like it just felt like all your energy had been sucked out of you. And you're right. I mean, how that impacted on the players, um, the the rant, which I, which I must admit, I, I like most Geordies at the time when when it came out, you were you were standing there no. in front of the TV, listening, just get into them, get into them. You know, there's a, there's this sort of. 
you know, there's an opinion built up over the years that it was it was him cracking up. But for me, it was he was showing the passion that we yeah. that we had, and he was part of wearing everything. And we were just going, get into him, get into him, you know. Um, but uh, but there were great times, and let's 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 not not forget there were great times. But that particular result for me uh, was just just the pits, absolute pits. Yeah, okay, good stuff, Steve. Uh, George, over to you for your second memory. Well, I had picked two others, and Steve Hayes has just done one of them, and Steve Wilkinson did the other one earlier. <laughs> uh, but but I agree with Steve Hasty that that uh, one goal was from the minute it left his foot, you just knew, you just waited for the, 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 the rattle in the back of the net. It, it was it was so true and so hard, and and again. He did have a habit. He's one of those players that had a habit of, of waiting for us and, and and punishing us for some reason. But he, he had a very very good left foot on him. No, no doubt, no doubt about it. But like the rest of you, you know, it uh, your heart sank because. Well, I know it was a long, it was a way off, but you just knew uh, in your heart of hearts that 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 could be the end of, of what was something fantastic for us. And I think uh, really it was at the end of the day. Um, so that you know, I, I just tag on to what Steve just had. And the other one, uh, Steve Wilkinson's five five nil was was uh, was just fantastic. I mean, it, it, some of the football in that match was was to be uh, behold. But it wasn't it wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, going to take uh, very far with uh, with Douglas. No doubt about that. No, no doubt about that at all. Mitch, under you, mate, for your uh, your next game. Stu, were you going to talk about uh, the Gaza Mirandina game? No, no, I'll leave that to you. Right, I'll okay, neither. Right, you carry on. Neither. Right, let's let's go that way. Yeah, first of January, New Year's Day, eighty-eight. Um, and I think to put it into context, people have got to remember. Um, Forest at that time were title chasers. I think they, were, they went into the game in third. And and they were a, a very good team. They were one of Cluffy's teams. So he went down on New Year's Day more in hope than expectation. You know, we we were okay. We we, we were doing quite well under McFall. Uh, we certainly didn't look like we would be in trouble like we were the following season. That season we were doing quite well, even in spite of the Beardsley haven't gone to Liverpool and they replaced them with Mirandina. And. Uh, I have to say, my memories of the game are, are a bit hazy, with it being New Year's Day more than anything else. Um, but I remember it being bloody cold, um, and I remember Gaza <laughs> on, on, halfway through the first half scoring one of those goals that only Gaza can score. You know, when you do that little touch and acceleration that he had over five yards, which was just ridiculous. Um, so we'll go one nil up, but then we got a batter, and we were. Totally back to the walls. I know we discussed a few times on other shows, what is a smash and grab win? I think you could describe this as a smash and grab win, no doubt about it. Um, Gary Kelly was outstanding. He, he stopped just about everything that day. Um, and then I think it was midway through the second half, um, after another, another Forest corner, we got a breakaway. And I think it was Kenny Wharton played the ball forward for Mirandina, who was in the acres of space just inside the first half. Um, and he took it to the right-hand corner of the area and shot across the keeper into the bottom corner. And our our fans in in, in the corner behind that goal going absolutely mental. Um, and that knocked the stuffing out of the forest. You know, you can see when a team, they've, they've had the majority of the possession, they've had the chances and they're just are totally deflated. Uh, and even Cluffy couldn't get them back up. For that game, um, and I think for them that set the pattern for the rest of the season. In that the, the faded away's title challenges by sort of April time, I think they'd had quite a few games which they should have won and couldn't. Um, whereas I think it was Liverpool and Arsenal were the two fighting for the title that season. Um, went off and put a little bit of distance between them, but it was one of those classic <coughs> cracking. Winter away days when it's bitter cold and you wish you'd brought a bigger coat and you'd wish you'd put different shoes on, but your pride on the terraces wouldn't let you. Um, and there was plenty of New Year cheer being handed around. 
legally and, and illegally in the ground, and it was fantastic. It was a proper, proper away day. Armstrong Gully coaches and all that from from the, the bus station. Um, yeah, it was was a good day out um, and made for a, a, a decent end to the festive period. Yeah, I mean, I remember that game, and I remember, as I say, through probably a hazy memory, Mitch. But uh, you know, I've, I've just recently watched the Gascoigne documentary again, and um, just recapturing those days when Gaza was briefly at Newcastle. Uh, great memories, you know. He was a he was a precocious talent. You could see he was going to be special, and just gutted yeah. when he left. You know what I mean? I just remember being gutted to see him you know being part of that selling um you know that that, that selling mindset that the board had at the time though know, the family silver beardsley sold you know to, to to essentially build the main stand yeah yeah well that, that that was the the attitude at the time wasn't it it was about accepting um a mediocrity in allowing the players that we were producing because we were producing some great players at the time uh you know we, we had two tranches of players come through the sort of the crossover with the Beardsley Waddle era and then the Gaza and then you could jump lump Joe Allen into that, you know, and, and, and that sort of the the FA Youth Cup team, Paul Stevenson, Ian Bogey, all of those lads who were essentially brought through and then moved on. Um and yeah, you know there is from Northern Ireland. Yes. Yeah, yes. I you know we had a, a real cro- two crops of really decent lads coming through and the board just kept moving them on to do things which I know there's a, always got to be a balance between financial prudence and what you do on the pitch um, very much what we've seen over the last 13 years under the current owner um, but it's it's tiresome and and as fans at the time it was quite gutting and I know they did things they bring Mirandina in to try and he was very much a strategic signing not just as a, as a Brazilian international centre forward but you know, would let Beardsley go. It was sort of almost right. Well, we need to placate them somehow, but they, they certainly didn't lay out for Mirandina what they got in for Beardsley, for example. But also got to remember that you know, within months they'd moved Gaza on, Chris Waddle had gone. You know, it was so so frustrating. Um, and yeah, I wish I'd wish we'd had more of Gaza in a black and white shirt. And my other wish for Gaza was I wish he'd gone to Man United, not Tottenham, because I think Fergie would have looked after him. Yeah, I count me uh, lucky stars that I saw Gaza in a black and white shirt. I really do. Yeah. And Beardsley yeah. and and Keegan and you know all of these other fantastic players. It's uh, it's the one plus of being slightly older. Uh, Keith Rose says, <laughs> uh, I believe in Miracles film about Brian Clough's Forest team that won the league and two European Cups is one of my favourite football documentaries. There's some absolutely brilliant documentaries out there at the minute. Um, I've just watched the, um, the Kenny one, uh, which was on Sky Documentaries recently. Um, I defy anybody to watch that, not to have some kind of tear in their eye when they start covering Heysel and uh, Hillsborough and uh, you know I, I got to know Kenny Daglish very well when he was at the club as well um, he was the first person who gave me a real insight into the club and gave me an opportunity as a fanzine editor to, to actually get behind the scenes he gave me a, a ticket for the press box um, and I'll always be eternally grateful to Kenny for that um, and yeah that's a good documentary uh, the Totty documentary on there as well Francesco Totty's a good one uh, but there is some great ones out there the Maradona ones have been really good but uh, yeah plenty of uh, lockdown viewing can be found that's for certain Stu <laughs> on to you mate right well since we last spoke my brother's just messaged us saying he's not safe he's cautious so <laughs> <laughs> no joking aside he's actually a very generous guy well I have two games left Steve Wilkins didn't come out one of them but the one before it rolls into it so I'll, I'll go through it quickly it was Keegan had just left, uh, but you can sum this game up. It was the FA Cup fourth round, and Daglish is taking charge. And I was excited because Daglish was a hero of mine growing up, you know, with the Scottish and everything else. And I don't think anyone could have replaced Keegan. And it's a bit similar to what happened with Bruce Smith Rafa. You know, whoever took over was on a hate or nothing. But Daglish come with credentials, so there's a, there's a big difference there. Um, in the game, the FA Cup game, we got me 2-1 at home and it could probably be summed up with three three words, or probably four actually, but Ian Bloody Wood, again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we took the lead and then he scored, he scored, a, he scored a decent enough first goal, but his second goal, is, it seemed to happen in slow motion. 
you know, the cross come across, he was, wasn't challenged, and he took it down his chest, and he was like, pick your spot, and it, and it went. So that was in the January the 4th, yeah, it must have been the January the 4th round of the FA Cup, 97. And that takes us on to, what, four months later, after the last game of the season. Now, this is when you didn't get the teams like an hour before, you know, you'd, you'd whisper, it would be announced, wouldn't it? You know, it would be announced by the, the Tires. And when the team was getting announced, it's if to me I felt like it was a six-one-three formation, you know, because I can't remember the well, of course I can. There was like the Barnes, but both Robbie Elliott, Steve Watson were playing, Peacock was playing, Albert was playing. There was and the only midfielder that you could say was a midfielder was Batty. And then something that uh, the, uh, Keegan never did that Dagnis did was play. Sierra, Ferdinand and Aspria up front in the same team to start with, starting together. Keegan never did that and Daglish did that. And the, I think something that Steve Wilkins said earlier as well, the, the joy, it was a joy we all watching that football. They blew them away in the first half. It was a glorious sunny day. We clinched second in the league, we win 5 0. Local lad scores the last goal. You know, you start getting the sense of oh, Keegan's gone, but things aren't that bad. And then you remember you support your Castle United. And if you roll on a few months and guess what's happened? Ferdinand Sewell's in a sham of a transfer. Shearer gets injured. And we end up signing the lovely Des, Bond, Des Hamilton sorry, to replace uh, Janola. John Bonds comes in. Ian Rush comes in all in the mid-30s. And it, you just knew that was the end of it for, for a while. But we we danced the dance and sang the song. So again, this is why the retro show is doing what it's doing because we can talk about times like that. And that's only twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, I suppose. Now look, we're coming again soon enough. So that was the last games I wanted to cover. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, Steve Wilkinson, onto you, mate. Yeah. Well, the, the the last games, not not very much retro to be honest. But I think it's it's well, we're talking about games against Forest. I think it's it bringing the more recent one and and the and the relevance to to now is the. Uh, the, the farcical game um, four years ago when when uh, oh, them and uh, with a, with a ridiculous sendings off and, and, and it, I think it was I, I felt it was worth a mention because it was Carl Darlow who was, was obviously we got from Forest has has been playing so well that it was worth crediting him the fact he saved the two penalties um, and uh, all in the first half uh, you might remember we 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 uh, Shelby got sent off for no reason they would tangle their legs and the referee decided to send them off for that uh could always save that penalty um not long after matt ritchie scored and, and put us ahead and we, we we were you know challenging for promotion or it was early in the season but we're still up there amongst the the, the forerunners and uh got the half just before half time when again another dodgy sending off for dummit another penalty and another save from darlow so we went in half time one nil, but we had nine men in the second half, and I think that second half was was just the big difference between Steve Bruce managing a team and, and Rafa because we held one a lead one nil, and he and he managed that team and the and the control the second half, despite the it was it was awful football to watch. I wasn't there; I just watched it on the television, but it was awful football to watch because we were just keeping our backs to the wall, but it was well organised and it was spontaneously well organised to to look as though we we're going to hang on and and. and and get the win. Well, it wasn't get the win because they did equalise fairly early. But it was it was ones each. Well, I think we're nearly. I'm not even sure we had one disallowed near the end. And it was it was about the five minutes. Yeah, from we the did. End. It was about five minutes from the end when it was another goal mouth skirmish. And I think I think even Lascelles might have knocked it in eventually. But it was it was an own goal. On, and it was it was heartbreaking the fact that they put up so much effort into that second half. And I, and I thought it, it just highlighted how how well Rafa managed the team. In, in in that time of, of taking the situation, and we would have just fought, rolled over these days under what we've got now. Had the same thing happened, uh, so that that was the other one. Um, really, just to, to finish off and put it on the record about the game against Forest that was memorable. As it happened, it it, it didn't cost us the league, but it it could have done when given that we we took it to the wire, you know. So uh, a bit like the one earlier on with the. Uh, you know, they talked about with the uh, Ian Warren goal and, and the Keegan time. So uh, that was that was my last game. Talk about oh, that that was an absolutely mental game. Darlow saving two penalties. 
Um, and the Red Cross got him. struck off as well, didn't they? I think they got struck off. The Red we, we appealed and they got struck yeah. off. Yeah. Um, do you remember the name of the referee? Uh, well, I don't remember, but I've got I know it on the on the well. I've got it written down Steve. Aye. Steve Martin. 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 Yeah. Oh yes, because he was a bloody, yeah, bloody comedy, comedian. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. yeah. That was all, um, that was also what was interesting about that one was that if you remember, Lansbury went down because he said he'd been kicked in the face, which he had, yes. and, and everything yeah. showed he had. Of course, we got our revenge on him when he when he signed for Villa and he leaned against the post and completely missed the ball. Opening day the next remember, season. Like, yeah, he, then, yeah, yeah. he then run off and he, he pulled a hamstring or something like that and he, yeah. he got taken off. And uh, I just remember that, that, that the entire ground absolutely ate him up that day. Yeah. If ever a player's career disappeared up its own backside, it was that particular game where he, he was just... He was an empty shell by the end of it, wasn't he? Because we absolutely yeah. wrung him out to dry, quite frankly, and, and quite rightly as well, because of what had gone on before. Um, and going, going back to, to what what Stu said, I, I looked interesting. I looked on the um, on the internet to see what the team was on that particular game, and this is this sums up modern football for you. Um, Sky Sports have the team listed from way way back, but obviously somebody's done it and decided to put the photograph of the players. And it was Pav, Beresford and Robbie Elliott were the first three names. But they had a picture of Robbie Elliott, the goalkeeper, instead of Robbie oh, Elliott. No. <laughs> yes. And that's on the Sky website. And at, at that point, I thought, you know what? I kind of trust them that any of these other players actually played as either. Which they did, of course, because we did have Peacock, Albert, Barton, uh, Stevie Watson, Batty, Ferdinand, Espria, Shearer. And a substitute bench of three players... Uh, again, who would walk into the team now? Uh, Gillespie, Lee Clark, and Peter Beardsley. You know, I, I imagine having the the riches of players like that at your disposal. It must have been brilliant at the time for both Keegan and following up uh, Kenny Dalglish. And, and as Stewie says, when the when the team disintegrated uh, with the stupid decisions that were made by the board uh, at that particular time uh, to try and keep the budget going, absolutely shocking. Yeah, uh, we've got a, a request from Tom. Any photos of the Knott's Forest ground? We normally talk about the ground, but um, we've had so many great stories we haven't. But there you go, Tom. Um, I have got a story about that before we get on to our regular segments. And uh, it was a great story told by Joe Kinnear. Um, I got Joe up to do a, a former manager's night and I, I had quite an eclectic uh, mix of former managers at that night. I had, um, just off the top of my head, I had Gordon Lee there. Um, I had Jack Charlton, God bless him. Uh, Joe Kinnear came along. Um, it was uh, we had uh, Aussie Art Dealers. It was uh, quite a strange, strange collection of former managers. But uh, Joe told a wonderful story about um, about about his time at Forest, and essentially he could never remember where the ground was. And that was that was okay during the day because he could find somebody in the street to ask for directions, and they would point him in the direction of the city ground. And he said, but. Um, during the winter months, it was quite difficult to find the ground, he said. So what he would ask uh, the, the groundsman to do was he would stop off at a call box, um, ring the groundsman up at the ground and ask him to put the floodlights on so that he could <laughs> find the ground. Absolutely classic. Typical joke in here. Um, you know, not thinking about the expense it's going to cost bloody Nottingham Forest to have these huge pylons lit up. Uh, illuminating the, uh, the the sky of Nottingham, but that's just joking here. Um, yeah, lovely bloke, um, uh, just <laughs> just a man a man who probably doesn't go down down too well in Newcastle United history. Anyway, each uh, each week when we do the retro show, we always uh, test the lads' uh, knowledge for faces. Um, first of all, we're going to start with celebrity fans. Um, so, I, to be honest, quite a hard one this, but I did manage to find a few. Um, and what I'm starting to find is some of these people just tend to hold a scarf up for the sake of holding a scarf up. So I'm having to do me, I'm having to do my, uh, my, my uh, investigations a bit more thoroughly to double check and make sure these are actually supporting the right team. But uh, here's your first one. Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood. Yeah. yeah. Lee Westwood, of course, the golfer. Yeah. Uh, and we're looking for the guy in the scarf. Oh, cricketer. Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad, of course. Yep, another Forest fan. And the guy on the far left. 
Kenneth politician. Clark. Yeah, Kenneth Clark. With, with Frankie Clark. With Frankie Kenneth Clark. Clark. Yeah. yeah, Kenneth Clark with Frankie Clark, of course, yeah. Um, I always try to, to stick one in which I think is going to get the lads, uh, you know, well, at least get me a point in this. Um, and this is this is this week's test. Oh, I love it when there's silence. I'm wearing the wife's reading specs here, so... <laughs> I'll get your excuses ah. in. <laughs> in Nottingham. Nottingham shirt. I'm trying to think. Barnes from Nottingham? Yeah. It's probably not. Could be a trick one, you know. You may just be wearing the shirt because yeah. he's in Nottingham. Yeah. Well, he said he's a fan. Right. He's definitely a Nottingham Forest fan. I have, uh, I have worked that out. And it is definitely a man. It's not a woman. It's not a very young Gavin. It's not a very young Gavin Rusdale, is it? No. It's not Harry Palmer, is it? <laughs> no, definitely not Harry Palmer. <laughs> Harry would have tricked you. He'd have put a shirt on just to trick you. I know they're the tricky trees, but they're... <laughs> no, you've got your point, I think, Steve. Yeah. Uh, that is James Dean Bradfield, the lead singer of the Manic Street Preachers. Wow. After my time... In his bedroom, in his bedroom as a kid. When he, when he was still at school. Hi, when Jesus. he was still at school. <laughs> yes. I, I had to do that to you, lads, because I've got no chance with the ex-players and, and managers who've uh, been involved at Newcastle. They're all fairly well known, but we'll go through them anyway. Chris Hutton. Chris Hutton. Chris Hutton, of course. Dolo. Carl Dolo, uh, current number, number one at Newcastle. Marcel, Marcel, of course, the man who came with Dolo. Callback, callback, callback. Jack, we say Jack. <laughs> Who's that? Let's have a look. That's Steve Stone. Stone. It's the most Stone. obscure photo I could find of Steve Stone. I even went with hair to try and trick you. Janice. 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 Yeah, in his goldfish bowl, there's Frankie. Frank Clark. Frank Clark. Frank Clark knows my father. Stuart Pierce. Yes. Gary Megson. Gary Megson. Gary Megson. Gary Megson. Gary Megson. Yeah. That's got to be Franz Carr. Franz Carr. Yeah. Yeah, Franz Carr, that's uh, who uh, Cluffy's got his arms around. Of course, Gary Megson on there as well with Johnny Method. Johnny, yeah. Yeah. Johnny Meta, yeah, mate. Age, age 22. <laughs> Daryl Murphy. That's Daryl Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, the slab. Peter yeah, Wirth. Peter Wirth. Marlon Harewood. Marlon Harewood, yeah. That's it. Good stuff, lads. Uh, clean sweep on the old players. So, well done. So, now down to your uh, your 11s as best you can. So, uh, Steve Wilkinson, you've had to wait right. all night. Okay. Let's go to you first. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I've gone back to uh, early days when I started going. I've got five of my team from the '60s, so uh, probably George might be the only one that knows some of these players. In Gordon Marshall, um, it was yeah. uh, it was a bit like it was nowadays, where we've got two good goalkeepers contesting, and it was a toss-up between him and Dave Collins, and whoever got injured got the got the shirt for the next length of time. And Gordon Marshall was was it in goal. Uh, I've got James Perch playing at fullback. Uh, Lascelles and Stuart Pierce in the back four with Frankie Clark. You had to put Frankie Clark in. Um, I'm playing four four two formation. On the right side, I've got Trevor Hockey, who um, was a winger in the sixties. Uh, uh, um, he had a great run. He had, you might remember George if he had a, he had a hunched up run that he uh, yeah. he went along and he. So I've got him in. I've also got Dave Hilly in, who was. Uh, Playing alongside him in, in the uh, sort of inside right position, as they used to call it in those days. Um, uh, Jermaine Jennis and also Jim Eiley, going back to the days of yeah. the, uh, the promotion team and uh, the sort of Shelby of the day. And the bald head of the, at that time was quite rare, you know, now it's a, 
it's a normie, so he played better than Shelby, though. And up front, I've got Peter With and Darren Murphy. And stronger you know. eggs than <laughs> Shelby as well. <laughs> um, and uh, manager Chris Hutton, who you just showed before. Um, so that's that's my squad. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, uh, we'll come to you next, Stu. Well, we started on. Uh, I think it was about day nine, Mitch, out of the, uh, the 11-day yes. sessions that we had, where we found out we were doing Forest. We went, oh, that'll be difficult with players. And then they just started rolling off the tongue, didn't it? Yeah. So it was more a case of which ones to leave out. So I went with... Uh, I had Darlow in goal, but Tommy Wright, I wanted to put in, but Darlow right. deserved it for, the, for his last few... Months. The two fullbacks were Perch and Frank Clark, with Lascelles and Pierce in the middle. Then the midfield of well, the both wide men were Franz Carr and Sammy Amiobi. Genus in the middle, and then up front it was Andy Cole, who no one mentioned. He finished. He had a few games at Forest at the end of his career, yeah. I believe. Uh, Peter With and Daryl Murphy. I couldn't put Cole back with Mixon in because I've seen them play for Newcastle. I have okay. seen them play. That's why I couldn't put them in. Yeah, no problem. All right, good stuff. Um, Mitch? Um, yeah, Stu and I basically sat together and said, well, that'll be difficult. And then over the next like 20 minutes, we were just rolling player after player after player. It was bizarre. But I've gone with Tommy Wright and Cole just for nostalgic reasons. You know, I, I, again, keep that, I saw a lot in my time you follow them here, there and everywhere. And I've, I've got a big lot of time for Tommy Wright. Same back four as both Steve and Stu. Uh, James Perch, Lascelles, Stuart Pearce and Frank Clark. Um, I've gone for a midfield sort of three with uh, Jimmy and Jenis. I've, I've got to put Gary Megson in because I want to put out there something I was told, and I don't know whether this is true, that after we signed Gary Megson, that the, the, the phrase... His second touch as a tackle was coined about Gary Megson by Cluffy after he left for us. Now I don't know whether that's true or not, but uh, so I had to put him in just to get that out there. You know, when we signed him, we thought he was going to be, uh, you know, something special. It sounded sounded great. We managed to entice a player away from Cluffy's Forest, and he was just bloody awful. And, and as and as a person too, I gather, and I know plenty of people who asked him for autographs, and he just basically told them to sod off. Um, and then Jermaine Genius, Gary Mixon, and Franz Carr, I've put in again purely for nostalgic reasons. And then I've gone three up front, um, and I think you'd have to lump it to these lads. I've gone Marlon Haywood simply because I think people forget the contribution he made. He come up with some really important goals at important times. You know, he, he was an unusual signing. But an important signing. Um, similar, you could say the same about Daryl Murphy. You know, yeah. I've, I've got, got yeah. Daryl Murphy in. Would, you know, and Rafa Murphy. brought him in. I would trade you know, Daryl Murphy for Joe, Joe Linton now, would you? Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> He'd hold yeah. the ball up better. Yeah. Um, and then my final player, Peter With, and there's only one manager to choose, and that's Chris Hutton. Okay, good stuff. George, over to you, mate. Um, well, like everybody else is saying, I thought, well, this is going to be difficult. And about two and a half pages of my notebook later, I realised it wasn't difficult at all. There's too many, you, you can't include the ball. So I've got basic 4-2-4 with Darlow and Goal, P.S. Lascelles, Colback and Clark, uh, Frankie Clark, uh, Jenis Hilly, Dave Hilly, I've got to know Dave Hilly quite well uh, because his wife served on a government body at the schools in North Pineside that I did. And quite often, Dave Hilly would come and pick her up. So there was always half an hour of football talk before he disappeared. Uh, Dave Hilly, James Perch, somebody who committed to the cause, James Perch. He would have died for Newcastle United. Um, and then Jim Ailey, who was fantastic. Um, Peter West and Cole, Andy Cole up front. And then Besson, Murphy, Carr, um, Name the rest of substitutes if you like, and then uh, it's got to be Chris Hutton as manager for, for sentimental reasons. Okay, good stuff. And last but not least, Steve. Right, I went for Darlow and Goal. 
I went for a back three of Perch, Lascelles, and PS. I put uh, I put Sammy Wade on one side with Franz Carr on the other. Uh, Franz Carr, strange player. Uh, Mickey Quinn said that he uh, he could catch pigeons. He could also hit them with his crosses. Uh, don't forget, <laughs> they just seemed to fly all over the place, didn't they? Uh, Centre midfield, I've put Gary Megson in. Uh, as you say, uh, Gary Megson with his with his second touch being a tackle, and Jermaine Jennings, uh, just because I wanted to see how the goldfish ball would operate. Um, and up front, because uh, I've only gone for a back three, I, I put Daryl Murphy in. Very similar to, to what the lads have been saying about him. He came in, he did a job. Very similar to Harewood. I've also put Peter with up front because Peter he was only at he was only at Newcastle a short spell one season I think uh, we got relegated and then he went and ended up winning the European Cup as as Frankie Clark did uh, but also put Michael Chopper alongside him uh, not for sentimental reasons I just thought that with Murphy and with up front he could feed off all sorts and and could get goals plus I feel sorry for him because. Um, He's not getting much of a mention these days. Uh, <laughs> this takeover haven't disappeared. Um, I was going to put I was going to put Chris Hooten in uh, as manager, but I decided to put Frankie Clark in as a manager because he did he did some he did, did a decent job um, as a manager, and he, and he's a nice bloke. Whenever I've met him, he's always been yeah. decent to chat to. Um, and the only other thing I'd say about Gary Megson, if his second touch was a tackle. Um, it was obviously, you know, it was obviously fairly decent. And and have you guys noticed how Joe Linton's fifth touch is getting better and better? <laughs> <laughs> Lads, I, I, t- I tell you what, like it's it's good, good, good to hear your teams. There always is plenty of research gone into that. Um, you'll have to have a week off next week because, of course, we've got a, a six pointer if I'm allowed oh, to call right. it that Definitely. against uh, Sheffield. And uh, I'll get hung, drawn, and quartered if I cancel Liam's show. So you've got two weeks, and I, I dig. I do like to listen to what people who watch the show say. Um, and Tim, uh, who's watched us from the start, oh, says Mark. Birmingham or QPR. So should we go? Q- should we go QPR? QPR. Well, we know what we're going to spend twenty minutes talking about. Yes, we do. Yes, yes. I'll make sure. I'll make sure I've shaved my hair. Uh, what I've got off, just so I can start showing the scars, guys. Um, guys, where we disguised. As always, uh, great to have you on. Happy New Year to you all as well, lads. We hope you have a, a really good one despite the lockdown and look forward to having you on in two weeks' time uh, to discuss the QPR games. Take care, lads. Cheers. Cheers, everyone.